The CNBC app, global market news in one place. Customizable sections and personalized alerts. Stocks tracking, interactive charts and market insights all in your hands. Stay connected, stay informed. Download the CNBC app today. Very warm welcome, everybody. This is Squawk Box. The headlines, U.S. Treasury Secretary Steven Mnuchin tells CNBC he will make a final push with Democrats to reach a stimulus deal. As talks end without a compromise and a House vote is delayed. I think we're very effective in communicating with each other. In many cases, we do have things that we agree on and we have things that there are differences. And we're trying to see if both of us can manage a package that gets some of what everybody wants. U.S. debate planners promise a more orderly discussion in the next presidential face-off, saying they'll change the rules to curb the chaos. As U.S. Senator Elizabeth Warren tells CNBC, the results of the first showdown should be clear. Just see that little clip when he was asked to denounce white racism, right? White supremacy. And what did he say? He told Proud Boys to stand by. That should do it. Uh, Japanese stocks stay suspended after trading is halted due to a technical glitch with the country's cabinet uh, chief secretary saying this should never happen again. And German pharmaceuticals and chemicals giant Bayer says it's cutting another 1.4 billion euros in costs and could slash more jobs, but keeps its dividend policy in place as its farm business battles the downturn. Deadline extended. Veolia gives NG until Monday to decide on its Suez stake offer as the French utility firms close in on a deal despite weeks of hostility. Go on. That on. debate. Good morning. He wasn't expecting that. The no, director had me on a single, and then now you've just thrown his rundown out the window. We're supposed to do that every day. That is, is that right? the USP of Squawkbox. He's saying two minutes past, and Steve can't contain himself. I did. I read the headlines probably, didn't you I? Did, you I did. tried to anyway. Yeah, <laughs> um, 73 million Americans watched it. 73.1 million Americans. Now that's down from the. First one with Hillary Clinton in 2016, which was over 80 million. I think it was about 86 million, but that's 73 million. I mean, can you imagine that on this side of the pond? Uh, no, because that's more than the UK population. It's not more than the UK population, but what I'm saying is proportionally, that is enormous <laughs> numbers of people. It, it's not bad, but it, um, it, it will get a lot more showing, I think, on social and digital download. I mean, even I, my daughter was watching the debate yesterday. Politically active, are they? Uh, no, not especially. I mean, they're just coming into, the, well, the eldest is now just 18, so mm. she can vote. But I think even she was fascinated by uh, some of the reporting that we heard through the day and then thought, well, I'd like to watch this myself. So, yeah, yeah. Uh, it is interesting. I think it has galvanised uh, some interest in the political process. I've read a lot of US press, actually, because I think it's all very well reading it from a British perspective or a European perspective, but I actually read a lot of the US press and they just <laughs> like... Yeah, the big, and I think I think the headline I've seen was the biggest loser was America. Uh, the biggest loser was us, the population. I don't think actually, uh, unlike Elizabeth Warren, who we're going to hear some sound from later on, I don't think you can say that there was a winner. It was just a question of who lost the most out of it. Do you think? Yes, I do. I mean, it's the democratic process at work. It's messy. just about it's just about. Messy. 
um, but as long as it reflects uh, the different polarized views in the United States at the moment, it's democracy at work. We should celebrate that, shouldn't we? Uh, only if democracy gets a chance for different views to be aired. And I don't know who told the president that it was a good idea to shout over his opponent. Oh, look, we do it occasionally, don't we? We do it as part of the theater thing, but we're not trying to lead the biggest country or one of the most important countries in the world, are we? Um, I don't know. I don't know who's, what, what yeah. campaign strategist said, you just shout over every time. 73 interruptions. Yes, and it didn't play that well, did it? When you look at maybe just the adjustment of the betting odds afterwards. Yeah. But it was, I mean, to hear Biden say, will you just shut up, man? was uh, priceless. <laughs> to be fair, you said that to me a few times. Uh, U.S. Treasury Secretary Steven Mnuchin has told CNBC he is confident he can reach a stimulus deal with Democrats. His comments come as the House of Representatives delayed a vote on the latest $2.2 trillion package proposal to allow more time to reach a cross-party agreement. After a 90-minute meeting, House Speaker Nancy Pelosi outlined their extensive conversation, saying that she and Mnuchin found areas where we are seeing seeking further clarification, while adding talks will continue. Speaking to CNBC at our Delivering Alpha conference, Mnuchin said he is optimistic that they can find a compromise. We're going to give it one more serious try to get this done, and I think we're hopeful that we can get something done. I think there's a reasonable compromise here, um, something that the president very much wants to get done and make sure that we help those parts of the economy that still need, need help. Well, the uh, Treasury Secretary also spoke about the growing U.S. deficit. This is like a war. Killing COVID is like being in a war, and we're going to spend what we need to spend. Now, we're not going to spend taxpayer money imprudently. So the reason why we're sticking to what we believe is close to a trillion and a half dollars and not three trillion dollars is that's what we think the economy needs now. Uh, so, Treasury Secretary Mnuchin, more blah, blah, blah around the stimulus plan. Will we ultimately get a deal? So let's just step away from the blah, blah, blah for a moment. And let's just talk about uh, what we've learned over the last uh, 24, 48 hours or so. So the ADP data didn't look too bad. The city uh, forecast on the non-farm payroll uh, which they are bigging up because it'll be the last big number before we go into the polls. I think 1.3 million is their expectation on here. So the data trend is not bad at this point. But, and the, this is the big but, the jobs uh, uh, in the private sector continue to be lost. And uh, we talked yesterday, I think, about uh, job losses. And as I looked at some of the headlines this morning, again, it was the same uh, message on uh, layoffs. The um, American Airlines group planning to furlough 19,000 workers. So that's furlough rather than layoff at this point, but that's furlough. All state to shed another 3,800 employees and even uh, Goldman Sachs now is talking about some modest job cuts so while the data is slowly improving there is a risk here that we do end up with permanent unemployment numbers being higher as we go forward here and a particular age segment of the male and female population actually having to check out of the workforce involuntarily in their late 50s, early 60s. Karen, uh, your thoughts welcome. 
slowing momentum, Jeff. We've seen it in the data recently that even though jobs are being added back to the economy, they're not coming back as quickly as we initially saw. And that's a problem if we think about all the territory we need to reclaim on the job front in coming months. So, you know, it begs the question yesterday, the market reaction we had, was it a reaction to better than expected data from the ADP and the housing market? Or was it around hopes that there was still conversations taking place in the backdrop around the stimulus package despite that diabolical debate? So I just question what the market Markets reacting to at this point as they closed out what has been a very weak month on Wall Street. So I think when it comes to the data in coming months, as we continue to track the escalation in COVID cases and businesses saying, well, this is not going away anytime soon and there's no vaccine materialising, we might have to take more strenuous measures inside the business, such as job cuts and other cost cutting, which is clearly negative for the US economy. And I think the message has been quite clear from many of the Fed members. They want to see more fiscal stimulus. All the measures they've rolled out have been fairly sufficient, but they're not being picked up. The transmission mechanism is somewhat broken in terms of some of those US policies to, to help the US economy. So it feels as though the job is very much for a second fiscal package. But again, I mean, we heard some noises yesterday from Mnuchin, from Pelosi, but do we have a stimulus package? And I question as we count down to the election whether we actually end up with any accord between both parties. Karen, absolutely spot on. Good morning to you, by the way. Look, I just want to add to what Jeff was saying as well about some of the data. I mean, you talked about the ADP. Mm. I'll, I'll make two comments there. Yeah, well, one, yes, absolutely right. It was better than expected. But it is notoriously unreliable for the non-farm payroll, which is tomorrow. So mm. to hang your hat on that would be very tricky to do for any investor. They know that from experience as well. But pending home sales, record high, which goes back to my point that... I tried to make a thousand times, perhaps haven't made it eloquently enough, is that anyone who has a decent credit rating seems to be getting their credit uh, for activity, whether it's home sales, whether it be loans for businesses, whether it be uh, in the credit markets to increase their bond offering so they can actually buy back more of their shares or something else with the money, of course. And the one that I was really interested in was the Chicago PMI. Did you, I mean, really, really very big figures. A figure that was 51.2 in August, was 62.4 in September. I mean, that is a stellar, stellar figure, given everything that is being thrown. And bear in mind, we're told by the geniuses out there that we're not allowed to look at employment. We have to look at PMIs, because that's forward-looking as opposed to employment, which is backward-looking. Oh, it's interesting. I mean, there's so many buckets of opportunity, and yet nearby great danger. And, and you talk mm. about what's going on in the housing market, which is fascinating because we can seize on the positive as an indicator of a pickup in economic activity. And yet the foreclosure rates are going up. And when you look at the some of the worst performers over the year to date, US REITs down 25% here. So depending on how you invested into that particular segment, you may or may not have covered yourself in glory year to date. And I think that's going to be the challenge going forward here because, you know, when you look at an asset class like gold, which we spend so much time talking about because it's found its way back into investor portfolios in a meaningful way, it's done little more than most other asset classes. Indeed. It's not given you necessarily that barbell type protection that you hope for. I think it's a momentum trade. I've said it all year and I'll say it again. I'll keep saying it again. And maybe it'll work, maybe it won't. Um, there is a very good page on our website. Jeff yesterday spending his entire show um, promoting CNBC Pro. Well, I'm going to promote CNBC 
uh, com forward slash delivering alpha because uh, that's exactly the page I'm on on my screen as well. And there is a lot on there as well of some very smart people uh, giving their views, which you can either agree with or disagree with. That's the beauty of the market. Right, let's have a look at some of those markets as of yesterday. We'll spend a little bit more time looking at quarter to date figures, something Karen has tried to do very much over the last couple of weeks as well, rather than just looking at the month today. But safe to say, um, this one took the Europeans by surprise a little bit yesterday, I would suggest. European markets were suitably glum earlier in the session and actually did very little by the end of the session. But actually, the US indices had a strong session if you are long. 1.2% higher for the Dow Jones Industrial Average. The S&P 500 was up eight tenths of 1%. I will draw your attention to Apple shares as well that accounted for 23 out of 82 of the points gained on the Nasdaq as well. I should tell you also in what data you're looking at as we look at the treasurers, what treasuries, because the personal income and spending is today's data. Uh, and as you all know, uh, I, I still get excited after all these years uh, when looking at deployment data. I can't help it. Mm. Days of standing in a pit, everyone getting very, very excited at that uh, 1.30 on a Friday uh, announcement and then getting bored stiff about 10 minutes later when the movement had happened. Um, but anyway, the US futures ahead of uh, the last two days of trading of the week are looking, well, rather positive, actually, in terms of the implied open, of course, fair value, 0.81% uh, higher for the uh, future. But by the time you have that end to the futures change, 16 points higher for the S&P. Right, Karen. Steve, well spotted about the quarterly data. I have been fascinated by the difference between Europe and the United States. I mean, you think about that 7% gain in the quarter for the Dow versus a near 5% reversal for the FTSE. It's quite a difference in uh, very international markets. Uh, let's push on to the Fed and an exclusive interview. Federal Reserve Bank of uh, Dallas President uh, Robert Kaplan told CNBC that there are limits to what the central bank can do for the U.S. economy, adding that more stimulus from Congress is needed. We do need additional fiscal stimulus. One of the unusual things about this pandemic has been consumer income and consumer spending has stayed resilient. The big part, of, big reason why is fiscal support. The fact is, lack of fiscal support to bolster incomes isn't really the, the kind of thing the Fed can make up for. Also in an interview with our U.S. colleagues, San Francisco Federal Reserve President Mary Daly also called for more fiscal support from Congress to help heal the economy. We need the fiscal agents to offer support to the parts of the economy that have yet to recover, to the millions of Americans who are still sidelined and wondering how they're going to pay their bills. So whether it happens next week or next month is important to those American households, but also really important to shoring up the economy. The Federal Reserve is extending its restrictions on capital distributions for major U.S. lenders until the end of the year. It means big banks will not be allowed to buy back their own shares and will have to cap dividend payouts. The central bank said the move was designed to reinforce capital resilience amid continued economic uncertainty from the pandemic. Over 32,000 people will be furloughed later today by U.S. airline companies after lawmakers failed to strike a deal on a further stimulus package. Airlines received around $25 billion of support in March with the provision that no jobs would be cut until October the 1st. Demand has remained weak since then as cases continue to rise across America. American Airlines and uh, United Airlines have said they will recall workers if a fresh pandemic aid package is agreed.
Still to come, more from CNBC's Delivering Alpha Summit as we look at the future of US-China relations. We'll tell you why one bank investment manager suggests raising your stakes in China even as foreign investors have reduced positions in that market. We'll be back. Listen to CNBC's Beyond the Valley, the podcast that explores the biggest tech news from across the globe. Join me, Arjun Karpal. And me, Tom Chitty, every week as we bring you insights into the top stories, unpack the latest trends, and find out where the industry is headed. Now available on Spotify, Apple Music, and Google Podcasts. Trading on the Tokyo Stock Exchange has been halted for today due to technical issues. Japan's government described the incident as regrettable and urged the exchange to identify the issue. However, the exchange operator said it remains unclear when its systems will be running again. Um, And um, in uh, substitution for that, we've got a look at the Osaka Nikkei futures here. I mean, interesting, uh, just uh, looking at the commentary around this, and I know... Uh, we, we may talk a bit more about the opportunity in Asian markets, but I was a, a little bit surprised that in the Q&A that I saw, the exchange couldn't rule out at this point a cyber attack. So you do wonder at this point whether this is something more than just a, a problem with the plumbing on the exchange. But anyway, um, let's just mention the greater China markets are having mid-autumn festivals. So you've got a lot of markets that are not playing today. Uh, Hong Kong, China, uh, Taiwan, South Korea, uh, all away for the day, which means that as we look at our Asian markets and we try and get a read on uh, where we're going in Europe this hour, we're showing you Australia, Singapore, uh, well, we were actually until um, Adam moved them on. But no, no, it's not. It's, I think we've made the point clear here at this stage. Uh, all of that means that the opening calls for Europe at this point are indicating that we will have a positive start to the trading session. Um, let's talk about Hong Kong. Uh, the territory is on heightened alert as it marks Chinese National Day celebrations. Pro-democracy protesters defied police orders by marching during the flag-raising ceremony. This year's celebrations are the first in the Chinese territory since Beijing imposed strict new national security laws following months of widespread protests. Uh, From trade and tech to the coronavirus outbreak, ties and tensions between the US and China was a focal point at uh, this year's Delivering Alpha Summit. But the likes of JP Morgan's Mary Callahan uh, and Alibaba co-founder Joseph Tsai told CNBC the two countries will never be able to fully decouple despite their frayed relations. I think this concept of decoupling, yes, it's happening, uh, but you're not going to completely decouple uh, uh, the various economies, especially in China's case, the uh, manufacturing base is going to be very much intact. China's the number two bond market in the world. It's the number two stock market in the world. And it's going to be the number one GDP market in the world by 2030. And so not understanding China and not investing in China and not understanding the dynamics of everything Joe just talked about, it would be irresponsible to be an investor in today's world if you didn't do that. One area where 
deglobalization, you know, isn't really possible is in the area of agri and food. And, you know, the fact that we've got a growing population and yet the, you know, the, the land mass in terms of ability and the ability to be productive against that isn't increasing, uh, just to state the obvious. And so, you know, we're seeing a lot of opportunity. Um, you know, COVID, you know, struck a little bit of fear and panic in terms of, you know, supply chains and things of that nature, but it quickly came back together again. TikTok has been at the center of recent tensions between Washington and Beijing. U.S. Treasury Secretary Stephen Mnuchin told CNBC the app could become a world-class product under its new American ownership, but investors in the tech space fear for its future. I think it's a great outcome. Uh, It'll it'll build a world-class U.S.-based company with controlled by U.S. investors. Um, We'll see if the deal can be closed on our terms. uh, We'll do it. If not, it it will be shut down. I sad to say I'm getting, you know, older and less cool. Um, But my interactions with this product, Scott, it is something very special and very different. Now, that being said, you know, that is the users that are creating that value. Underneath it, unfortunately, you know, they are caught between a rock and a hard place. They are caught between two governments that are using it as a pawn to basically act out this very complicated game. This company will get ripped apart at current course and speed, unfortunately. I mean, look, Karen and Jeff, yes, TikTok is a pawn. Um, but it's gone uh, because in the same way ZTE is, in the same way that Huawei is. In fact, from a larger part of this Huawei debate, which seems to have crystallized now. I mean, we saw the news uh, from British Telecom this week as well about who they are going to be um, using to develop their 5G infrastructure. And in fact, ripping out from some of the, the previous uh, broadband infrastructure as well. But the fact of the matter is, yes, on the surface of it, what is TikTok? I mean, really, it's a social media app, but it has some really smart technology behind it. And I think one or two of our guests have actually, for me, nailed this. It's about who controls the Internet going forward. It's about who controls the regulatory standards going forward. It's about who controls the AI going forward and 5G. So there are five or six key pieces of technology here, Karen, where actually it doesn't matter what the app is. It can be any app at all out there. It can be any piece of technology. But it's belatedly now something that the West and the US has realized is actually they probably need to get a move on technologically to compete with the Chinese in many of these areas. That's just from a commercial, industrial point of view, let alone uh, a security point of view going forward. I think we've all struggled to take the TikTok story seriously because it is about these funny videos that are shared. But if you think about the background to it, it is the most successful Chinese app that is working in the United States. And I think if you look at it from that perspective, you can see it is groundbreaking and regulators moving very quickly and it become very political as you seek to sort of put these boundaries and borders around this Chinese company. It tells you about the U.S. administration's uh, moves to try and stop these Chinese uh, apps. So it's not just about the hardware anymore. And clearly Huawei, now with the latest moves around uh, SMIC, also having problems getting access to semiconductors to make its own product domestically. The question is just how far this goes. I mean, there was some research done by Deutsche Bank earlier in the year that said 41% of Americans will not buy made-in-China products again. 35% of Chinese will not buy made in USA goods. So it feels as though this fight is going down to the consumer level, but it hasn't when it comes to some of the apps yet. It's more when it comes to actual physical goods. So you wonder whether you start to see that on some of the the social media apps, uh, software, uh, less tangible items to the consumer down the track. I'll make uh, two quick points, Karen. One is um, that I think, you know, Steve, your point about the West is finally waking up too dot 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 
I think is critical here. The Chinese How is it United technology States does not have a 5G player. The, well, uh, just setting that aside for one moment because it may at some stage. But the point that I wanted to make is that Chinese technology covers everything, right? So, so what you have is an ecosystem that dominates your life from payments to shopping to the news you receive, to the life choices you make, wherever you are in the world, if you are connected through the Chinese technology companies to their system, they dominate every activity. That is something that I think America is now waking up to and realizes that has consequences because all of the news that any Chinese person connected to that infrastructure has is in some way managed by the system. The other point I wanted to make is Global funds have fled Chinese stock markets at the fastest quarterly pace in 15 months, according to Bloomberg. And yet the Shanghai Composite was up nearly 8% for the third quarter. So everything we've said, notwithstanding, the market doesn't care in a sense because there are plenty of other people who Mm. want to buy Chinese goods and take Chinese technology at this point, even if Americans are deciding that they don't. Thank you for listening to Squawk Box Europe Express. For more market-moving news, you can head to cnbc.com. Or join us again on the show with Jeff Cutmore, Steve Sedgwick and Karen Cho. Weekdays on CNBC.